a un primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Cindy Podcast. I'm your host, Cindy May Jr. Follow me on, yep, still the Elon app, at The Cindy. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Podcast is also up there on the Elon app, at The Cindy Podcast, all one word. If you're not rocking with the Elon app, I get it. Podcast is also available on the Zuckerberg app and the China app. Subscribe and rate to the podcast, five stars, nothing less, tell a friend. Podcasts available on all major podcasts and platforms, including the Purple app and the Rogan app. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Link is in the podcast description. If you're unfamiliar and you want to type it out directly, it is thecmd.link slash YouTube. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thecmd.com. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. There is trouble brewing in the desert and no one is saying anything about it. And we're not just talking about Kyle Murray and the fact that he fell down the wind. Boom, non-contact injury. So we know what that means. It's not even the fact that Cliff Kingsbury has failed upward his entire life. As a QB, he failed in the league. As a college coach, he failed. And now even as a NFL coach with a lot of weapons that's been bestowed upon him, he is still failing. We're not even going to get into any of that. That's not even that's not even the biggest story that is allegedly coming out of Arizona. But now we have, if you're following along with the in-season hard knocks, you know that the Arizona Cardinals had to get rid of, fire, dismiss, whatever you want to categorize it, their offensive line coach who was starting to carve out a pretty decent role on this season of the in-season hard knocks on HBO Max. So this guy was becoming a character and they had this like quietly get him out the paint when they came back from Mexico City. Something happened. They didn't get into too much detail, but he was essentially allegedly wowing down in Mexico City. So they had to get him up out the paint. Well, now the GM of the Arizona Cardinals is also now taking a leave, personal reasons, health reasons. Those are the things that have been put out for the public to uh, ingest as the reason why he's stepping away. But now there's a different twist. We wake up today and this is Saturday. There's a lot of NFL games to get to. There's three NFL games today. So that's what we're coming out today. Preview those. But the Arizona Cardinals, the GM walks away and everyone just assumes and gives him the bail of, all right, health reasons. We get it. Whether it's mental health or physical health, everyone, you know, has their own wherewithal to step away if they need to, take their own PT if they need to, right? Mental health, wellness, all of that, right? Here's the thing. <laughs> the now, I guess, dismissed, fired, let go, however you want to call it, Arizona Cardinals offensive line coach is now saying, hey, I want to go to arbitration. And you want to know why I'm going to go to arbitration? He wants to go to arbitration because he is alleging that him being cited in Mexico City by the authorities was a case of mistaken identity. Now, if you've seen in-season hard knocks, you could see where the offensive line, well, the now former offensive line coach for the Arizona Cardinals and the now on-leave GM of the Arizona Cardinals could be the same dude if you're, you know, in the late night running the streets in Mexico City. Is there something there? Is this a coincidence that Mans decides to step away and within 48 hours, no more than 72 hours, we get news news that the offensive line coach, the former offensive line coach is like, hey, that wasn't me. That was the one wowing in Mexico City. I just took the L. I took the fall. And now that Mans is running away, inciting health reasons. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to run me some money if I'm taking this L for you. What the hell is going on in Arizona? The owners out here flying everywhere, just living the dream. Meanwhile, it's nothing but a cesspool rotting from the top to the bottom from that organization. It is amazing how, you know, this this is where having cameras in the building can really unearth some tea. But, you know, it's NFL films, it's HBO, there's a relationship there. 
they're not going to really go deep into this because I was waiting. Once the offensive line said, oh, we need that T. All we got was, you know, Cliff Kingsbury addressing the team and some little bit of back back chatter talk or whatever, and that was it. Then on the bye week, all this, all this other stuff is starting to come out. Kyla falls down and goes boom. And then we have the GM, what, Steve Kime, walking away for personal reasons, health reasons, whatever. And now we have the former O-line coach that was allegedly wowing in Mexico City, spinning the block, saying it was a case of mistaken identity. I don't think any of this is a coincidence in the desert. And meanwhile, Cliff Kingsbury is still feeling upward. Calamari, they just gave him all that breath for COD. Pat Peterson called him out on the pod, and then Calamari had to spin the block and try to defend himself. And all of it is nasty. All of it is nasty in the desert. No one gives a damn. All right, okay. But that the value of that franchise is not... <laughs> the value of that franchise just keeps going up. Just keeps going up no matter what happens on the field, or what, no matter what happens in regards to the business part of it, the fact that the stadium sometimes doesn't look full, doesn't matter. It's an NFL team. The evaluation of the team just keeps going skyward. And that's where the owner just keeps flying around because that's where the value is. The value of the team just keeps going up. You might as well keep your head in the clouds. We're back into Saturday NFL games now. So there's three games today, but there's only one that really matters, and that's the one that's tonight. Miami travels up to snowy Buffalo, which could actually decide the AFC East. We'll see how that goes. But there's two other games. You know, we have the Colts at Minnesota. That's a game that, you know, we think could be a walk for the Vikings as they try to rebound off taking an L and going down to 10-3. and three. But the Vikings clearly are the worst 10-3 and three team any of us have ever seen. So it wouldn't shock me if the Colts find a way to get a dub today. And then we have Cleveland, who is finally at the crib, and they have Baltimore coming in. And this is, uh, you know, the masseuse man, Deshaun Watson's first home game. And that will be a weird thing to watch, as I'm sure they will try to embrace him and welcome him, welcome him into the dog pound. That won't be awkward. Uh, but there's a lot going on there. But no Lamar Jackson. So that's a game that, Coulda, shoulda, woulda been something on paper, but it has won't really live up to what we're expecting. But the thing is, can the Ravens just keep finding ways to just get wins? Nine and four, they get this win. Ten and four, who would be who would be the better ten and four team? Assuming the Vikings lose, let, let, let's play that game. Vikings lose, they fall to ten and four. Ravens win, they improve to ten and four. Who's the better team? Who do you have more confidence in right now? between the Ravens at 10 and four and the Vikings at 10 and four, hypothetically. Like that's something that's really a weird thing because both have tremendous flaws. The Ravens are flawed offensively, even when they have Lamar Jackson because they haven't surrounded him with help. And the Vikings are flawed defensively as they just keep giving up big play, big play after big play. And there's really no sense of that stopping anytime soon. So, and that's even with Pat Pete, Pat Peterson back there and he's not getting burnt, but there's some other dudes in that secondary that are like definitely living up to that uh, all Madden toast card from back in the day. So those two games are the appetizers, but the main entree, the reason why we're all going to be locked in tonight is because of Dolphins at Buffalo. And I'm really trying to figure out what Dolphins team are we going to get because they were flying up and down the field, putting up 30 pieces left and right. And it was looking really impressive with Mike McDaniels, your man's logic. Uh, coming off the pine and like really establishing himself and his offensive philosophy early and often. But that offense has not really been clicking. You know, he was known to be from that Shanahan tree. So we assumed a run game would eventually show itself. And when they got Jeff Wilson Jr., it certainly did in spurts, but it has been consistent. Jeff Wilson got hurt, which has kind of been his MO. And Raheem Mosert, as fast as he is, as much of a burner as he is, hasn't really been consistent enough either. So this running game, which is now is the time you want to see that running game if you're Mike McDaniels. If you're from this zone running scheme that's been effective everywhere, or Shanahan has gone from the Pops to Kyle to now the tree of Shanahan, this should be a tailor-made game for, all right, we're going to zone read, we're going to zone run these dudes to death, zone block these dudes to death. And I don't know if we're going to get that. And this is a Buffalo team that doesn't have Von Miller. He's done. He's still potting, though. But, um, you know, he's he's done for the season in terms of playing. And I don't know what to really expect from this Miami Dolphins um, offense because 
that's the strength of their team. The defense has taken a clear, you know, step backwards. As much as everyone is lauding the fact that, oh, well, see, Brian Flores, you know, had something out for Tua. Now look at the offense. I can say the same thing. Well, yeah, Brian Flores left. And now look at that defense. That defense is not hitting the way it was. The defense is not, even with the improvements, even with going out and getting Bradley Chubb, that defense has not taken a step forward that you would have expected from a defense that over the last two to three, basically the whole Brian Flores run in South Beach was upper tier. Upper tier at least, at, at minimum, upper half of the league in terms of defensive ranking. So, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting thing here where they clearly have chosen, we're just going to go with offense over defense. We'll plug and play, guys. Here we'll go out there and we'll, we'll get a chub. You know, Wilkins has been amazing, but it's not looking like it's going to be enough. Like the secondary was supposed to be a strength for this Dolphins team. It was thought to be a strength, especially over the last couple of years with, with the Flores scheme. Now they're trying to build in the trenches, and I'm never one to be anti-building in the trenches. I think that's where the way all teams should be built. But with the dudes they had, Xavier Howard, like the dudes that they had in, in, in the back half of that secondary, you would have thought, all right, now we could just really just lock in on the trenches, and now this defense could be dominant. That has not been the case. They have cl clearly taken a step back. So the Bills offense, Josh Allen, that elbow. We saw what happened in South Beach earlier in the year. They wilted under the heat. He got tired. Stephon Diggs said it was one of the worst conditions he's ever played in. You know, guys were, you know, vomiting all over the place before, during, and after the game because of the heat and the conditions that they were subjected to playing in Miami. Well, now it's flipped. It's going to be Buffalo weather. Can the Dolphins now go on the road in snowy, cold, windy, and just Buffalo being Buffalo? Can the Dolphins handle that? Can that offense travel? Can that air attack travel? Does Tua have the arm strength to be able to get through that wind that could potentially be a factor in Buffalo? Tyreek Hill, we know speed travels. Jalen Waddle, we know speed travels. But does Tua's accuracy travel when he's throwing potentially in snow, throwing potentially in wind? And they've asked him about it. And, you know, he was like, well, you know, it's snowed in Alabama. Bruh. Bro, you cannot compare the snow in Alabama, which might happen once every couple of years, to what seems to be happening every other week from September on in Buffalo. They, those are two different types of snows. I know, I know he's from Hawaii. Maybe he just doesn't understand. Those are two different types of snows, and he going to learn. Please believe that man going to learn. So Buffalo is going to have to really figure out who they are because they don't run the ball either. You know, they, they had Singletary, they had Cook. They're trying to figure out their way with that, but I don't see a lot there. This is going to be the battle of air attacks because Josh Allen has been the running game. I don't think that's going to be winning football. I don't think that's going to be Super Bowl winning football, but to get this AFC East locked away, that might have to be the move tonight. Load up Josh Allen and, you know, elbow be damned, and we're going to run this man into the ground. Because clearly, you know, as much as they've made moves where they got Naheem Hines at the, at the trade deadline, like they've tried to tinker with the running game and make some improvements there, but none of it has really stuck. Will they stick to the ground game tonight? Will this be old-school ground-and-pound football, or will both offenses still try to air it out? Because you still have Stephon Diggs. You still have Gabe Davis, McKenzie. You still got some got Dawson Knox. Like, Josh Allen definitely has the arm strength, but the accuracy. We're concerned about Tua's accuracy and the fact of can he get the ball through to win. It's a combination of arm strength and accuracy. Because we know his arm strength isn't the greatest, but he's a pinpoint accurate passer. So does the wind or the elements take away from the accuracy? And we know he doesn't have the greatest arm strength to begin with. How does that affect the passing game? But with Josh Allen, it's almost the opposite. He's got all the arm strength in the world, but he could be erratic as hell and his accuracy can suffer greatly. So will the elements, even though he's played in Buffalo for a minute now, so we're not too concerned about that, but in this particular game, when it matters most, potentially a AFC East division championship on the line, can he be effective? Can he not make the dumb mistake? Can he not make the dumb turnover? Can he not lose that focus and just start wowing out like he was just a couple of years ago? Or, you know, even though we have the time of before Stefan Diggs and now with Stefan Diggs, like, you know, there's a clear line of demarcation there. It's really just going to come down to 
Can you not make the dumb mistake? Can you not fumble the ball when you're just running? Can you not airmail someone 10 yards over their head out the back of the end zone? Can you not do those things? He's curtailed some of it, not all of it. So Miami at Buffalo, that's the game to watch tonight. That's the game I'll be locked in on. And uh, no live stream tonight if you're trying to tap into that. But it will be a live stream tomorrow. Uh, Sunday night after all the other games are done leading into the Sunday night football game. So lock in on the YouTube channel if you're down with that. Um, but yeah, Miami at Buffalo. I'm here for it. So, I mean, that will be the game of the night. That will be the game to pay attention to. You might get some exciting uh, stuff in the other games, you know, starting at one o'clock here with the Colts at the Vikings. But to me, it's all about that. It's all about that Saturday night football, Miami at Buffalo. Hey, why y'all ain't tell me Zion's out here trying to bully ball like he's Giannis? Zion Williamson is trying to turn himself into a 6'5", 6'6", Nigerian freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it's working. I just don't know what to expect from that long term. It is a very interesting transition where if you look at him when he's been healthy, which has always been a thing, right? But when he's been healthy, he was thought of to be a guy that can take you outside, shoot the shot, Maybe take a three or at least a top, top of the key J, take you off the dribble, take you in the post. Like he was thought of a triple threat player, right? He can score from all levels. Well, I don't know what's gotten into him. He's thrown that out the window. He has clearly just decided, I'm just going to be a 6'6 Giannis. I'm just going to bully ball people. I'm going to be running with a full head of steam on the break. They give him the rock and it's a clear out. It's a clear out. It's almost like one four flat, but it's always on the baseline. So it's, a, it's like it's like the opposite of a one four flat or four corners. It's very weird, but they give him the rock. And he starts at the three point line and people are backing up because they're giving him the shot, but he's not taking the shot. It's almost a cross between he's playing like the Nigerian freak Giannis Antetokounmpo from a couple of years ago. And he's also playing a little bit like Ben Simmons, where I'm only going to get my shots in the paint. I'm not shooting no jumper. I'm not shooting no three. Like he'll do it occasionally, but the bulk of his points and we can let, let's go ahead and go to the screen share here. I will share my screen for those on the YouTube side. So if you're following along on YouTube, you're getting a different experience and enhanced uh, visual experience. Don't be scared. If you're listening on the pod, you could definitely pull up and check this out too, but we're going to look up Zion and the proximity of where he's taking shots, how far away from the basket he's taking shots, or more importantly, when he's not taking shots. Uh, let's see. How can I get to that page? Game log shooting. Boom, boom, boom. 2023. Where's that beautiful thing they had? Shot chart. Okay. So now let me just make sure this looks good. Yep. Okay. So if you're on YouTube, you see this is a whole lot of shots, bruh, within the paint. Like, he's made one three the entire season from the left side of the court. One three. He's only attempted one three, and he made that one three. He's only attempted, he's attempted no corner threes. He's attempted only a handful of threes the entire season. If you're looking at this um, shot chart that Basketball Reference has up here, this is a great tool, by the way, because this kind of tells you everything you need to know. Everything. Is from the dotted circle and below. Everything is from the dotted circle and below. So this is like not even 10 feet. This is below 10 feet from the bucket. The key is that's not where he's getting the ball. That's just where he ends up. He's getting the ball at the three-point line where he's only attempted and made the one from the left side. He's only attempted one three, but that's where he's receiving the ball the majority of the time. But yet and still, he's ending up under 10 feet from the cup. How is that happening where this guy who is a, is a beast of a player, right? Physically is a specimen, a specimen most of us have not seen. That's why he was such a freak in nature and why the hype train went overdrive in regards to him being the number one pick over a player who I still is fundamentally better in John Morant. So what we have here in Zion is that he has just decided no one can physically match up with me, so I'm just going to explode that, exploit that over and over. It's like that Marshawn Lynch clip, but just I'm just going to keep being you over and over and over and over. That's what he's doing. 
He's seen the blueprint. Giannis, the Nigerian freak, Atatokounmpo, gave him the blueprint. And Giannis is, and uh, Zion is following it. And this is something where, you know, this, to me, this player is not the player he was supposed to be. The player that they were projecting him to be was like this hybrid big that can take you outside and all this stuff. That's clearly not him. This man is, you know, we're going to go up here to his shot type. He has attempted 55 jump shots the entire season. 55 jump shots. Shots from under 10 feet, 117. Shots at the rim, 224. This man is refusing to take shots from anywhere besides the paint. And I don't blame him. I do not blame him. Why would you do that? If you're if you're only if your athleticism at its peak is the fact that you're undersized, yet you have this heft of muscle and you still have the ability to have that quick first jump, especially off putbacks. He has that that still has that burst. Even after all these injuries, even after all the weight concerns, he still has the ability to just get that putback. That offensive rebound putback. He just has that quick step, that quick. He still has the fast twitch muscles are still popping despite his diet, right? So these numbers are insane to just jump out at you where he has, you know, 59 dunk attempts compared to 55 jump shots. He almost has as many dunks as jump shots. And that tells you what his game is about. He's got 251 layups. So again, he is killing it at the rim. Now, how does this project going forward? That's going to be the thing when it comes to Zion. As we come off the screen here, that's going to be the thing as we talk about Zion is, okay, he has figured it out. Go be Giannis. But here's the thing with Giannis, as we've talked about, like there was a while there where I was wondering, does Giannis even have a secondary move? And at times it looked like he didn't even need a secondary move, but eventually he did. And we saw what happened. They got that championship where he went crazy, running off four straight against the Suns in the point fraud. Will Zion be able to do the same? Because he won't have the type of gifts that Giannis naturally has. He's not 6'10", 6'11", maybe even 7' foot like the Nigerian freak Giannis Antetokounmpo is. He's not that. He ain't growing. There's no more growth spurt in terms of height. He might grow wider, but he's not going to grow taller. So what are we going to get from Zion once he gets settled down? Now he's settled down at this skill set. He can bully ball his way to 20 plus. He can crash the glass. He can be dynamic running the floor. He's got bunnies still. What does that look like three years from now? And that's always been the rub with Zion. Like, all right, he can get a bucket. We've never questioned his ability to score. When I was making the argument of, you know, I would take Ja over Zion, my whole thing is this league is predicated for players like Ja to be max to be able to maximize their their potential sooner than a player like Zion. Ja's skill set is more predicated to winning games and winning games deep into May and potentially June more so than Zion's freakish athleticism, albeit at six five six six. That still rings the same to me. That doesn't ring hollow. That's still a thing to me. Josh's skill set is still going to ring out, and it's great that those two teams are one and two. It's great that the Grizz and the Pels, as of right now, as I'm recording this on Saturday morning, are ranked number one and number two in the West. And it's not necessarily because of those two guys, which is the funny thing about it. Like, it's not, it's not all the way about Ja in Memphis either. It's damn sure not all about Zion in NOLA. You have to look at CJ McCollum. We know, or at least... Y'all know who have been a podcast listener for a long time, but those that are on YouTube might not know. It is a thing when it comes to B.I., a.k.a. Young Reaper, and me and his podcast. So I am never just going to say it's all about Zion and Nola when you got B.I., Young Reaper, right there. And we saw how, how he gave it up on social media when they had the whole thing with the Suns from last weekend. We'll get there. But right now, I just want to lock in on what have you seen from Zion? Has Zion taken a step or is this always just the same Zion? Is this a refocused Zion? What type of Zion is this? Hit me up on the Elon app or if you're on YouTube, drop it in the comments. Let me know because this is something I want to have a discussion about it. I'm really intrigued because I've been watching the games and 
I'm like, okay, he's clearly healthy. He clearly still has the bunnies. He's got the first step. He's got the fast switch on the first jump and even the second jump. Okay, now, how does this game evolve? And it might not even have to evolve because, you know, Giannis's game didn't have to evolve. I don't know if they get that chip, if his game doesn't evolve, but he could have stayed right, right where he was, where he was a multiple-time MVP, defensive player of the year, all of that stuff. He could have stayed right there. It could have cruised to a Hall of Fame career. Now, with the fact that he's evolving his game, now you're talking about he could be the greatest whatever of all time at some point. He's now trying to get into those conversations. He could have put it on cruise control and just be a Hall of Famer. Now he's trying to get into that pantheon of, no, 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 no. I want to be one of them. I'm not just trying to be a regular Hall of Famer, especially with the Basketball Hall of Fame. For Hall of Fame, we know they put damn near anybody in there. But no, 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 I'm trying to be in those upper tier conversations. That's what evolving has allowed Giannis to do. Will Zion, one, want to do that? Two, be able to do that? And three, how will that look when, he, when and if he does do it? Those are real questions because the Pels are looking great. And the thing is, is that their lineup hasn't been consistent. When you're looking at what they have to offer, on paper, it looks good. CJ McCollum as a, as a backcourt guy, great. Young Reaper as a dynamic wing, that's a bucket, great. And then you have the Enigma, that is Zion, that is straight bully balling fools and getting running the numbers up. He's a stat stuffer. You got him in fantasy, you should be killing. But how does this look as a team going forward? Like, have they even, let me see here, if they'll let me find it. Let's see. I'll go back to the screen share for those on YouTube. Get this up again. Let's look for the uh, lineups. How many lineups, how many times has have they had their full complement of players, I wonder? Because their starting lineup over the night was Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones. Herb Jones has, has been a mainstay. He's been one of the few guys that hasn't been hurt as much. Um. Yeah, but B.I.'s been out. Young Reaper's been out for a minute. Yeah, they have not had that full complement. I mean, I'm going to try to run down this real quick. Let's see. Ingram, Jones, McCollum, one, two, three. Four, five. Okay, so for the first month of the season, they had that lineup roughly half the time. And they certainly have not had it lately with uh, Young Reaper being out. McCollum's been out. And we know Zion has been in and out as well. So this team is number two in the West, and they haven't even been all the way together yet for an extended period of time. So what's that going to look like once B.I. comes back, once Young Reaper is able to reestablish himself, once C.J.? Because that's the thing, because and you know, I was able to look up some splits and stuff that I, I want to run all that down to you right now, but... If you look at the lineup splits, Young Reaper plays best with CJ. Makes sense. And Zion plays best with CJ. Makes sense. But when it's Reaper, CJ, Zion, it's a mixed result. Because it's easier for two guys to share the rock to get their shots off than three. When you go to three guys and all three guys feel, I could get 20 shots. I can go out here and get 20, 20 plus shots and all have done that at various points in their careers. But when you put three guys together with the skill sets of Young Reaper, who was the guy for this team last year and in my heart has been the guy for this team ever since he's gotten there, he's been the guy. He's been the guy where I'm going to go get 20 plus shots. Now you're bringing in CJ who at times could get 20 plus shots or at least upper teens playing with Dame in Portland. And now you have Zion, who's been ordained to be the man everywhere he's gone since high school. So how do you split 40 to 50 shots between three dudes? How do you do that? That's going to be the thing to look for with Willie Green and his coaching staff once they get all three of these guys together. It might be great that one of them always keeps getting hurt and we just have to focus on two of them. That might be their biggest reason for their success is the fact that all three of these guys have not been consistent on the floor because then that brings into question, how the hell do we get three guys who think they can get 20-plus shots a game enough shots to make them all happy? Okay, I gave you as much pelt as I could. It is time.
It is now open season on the point fraud, and I'm here for it. It has been long overdue. I have been a long-term uh, proponent of destroying and exposing this man, and he keeps giving me opportunities to expose him. And it's not just me. Other players in this league have been stepping up and been seeing it for years, but the public has decided just to not listen or just to ignore it or just to focus on the State Farm commercials or the HBCU merch or any of the stuff that he tries to do or the documentaries on Netflix. Well, now the public, by and large, has mostly seen enough. He has exposed himself yet again. Now, I don't even get the tweets and the vitriol that I used to get. People have just quietly walked it back, quietly reserved and acknowledged the fact that this man is dirty. This man is nefarious. This man is a charlatan. It has come to that point where now I used to get tweets sent at me weekly about how great the point fraud is and how wrong I am about the point fraud and how I'm looking at it through a lens that's that's wild and hot takey. And I'm just sitting here standing 10 toes down like, no, this man is a fraud. Whether it's on the court or off the court, there are examples on both sides of this man being a fraud. Whether it's running through Kim K or sneaking elbows to Jose Alvarado, this man has shown you that he is a fraud. Okay? So it's time that we all just come to the pulpit of the basketball gods and realize that this why this man will never win a championship. Because basketball gods don't like ugly. I keep telling you, I've done it for two seasons in a row where I've given you a church, a, a, a sermon from the congregation of the basketball gods of how this man will never prosper because he keeps thumbing his nose at the basketball gods. And there's a reason why someone like Jose Alvarado has become a, a, a guy that I pay attention to, especially because unlike no other player in this league, he seems to find a way to get under the skin of the point fraud. And why is that? It's because what the point fraud sees in Alvarado is like holding up a huge ass mirror in front of himself. Jose Alvarado is the point fraud. And the point fraud is Jose Alvarado. Let me explain. Both of them are dirty. But only one of them should actually be dirty. The point fraud is more naturally talented, more fundamentally skilled at basketball than Jose Alvarado. So the point fraud doesn't need to be dirty to be in the league. He doesn't need to be dirty to be top tier. He doesn't need to be dirty to, to run up the accolades he has and to put up the numbers that he has. Jose Alvarado, though, he needed to be dirty to get to the league. He needed to find the, the, the small holes to, to penetrate, pause, to be able to get to the league. How can I exploit these slights to get to the league? How can I be the size that I am with the skill set that, that I lack and still get to the league? I need to be dirty. I need to be able to do something no one else will do. I need to be able to chase dudes full court. I need, I need to be able to sneak up from behind them and run up on them and get steals off and be able to cause havoc on the floor, cause chaos on the floor. And that's what Jose Alvarado does. Point fraud doesn't need to do that. Point fraud doesn't need to be throwing bows. The point fraud doesn't need to be kicking people in the nuts. The point fraud doesn't need to do any of these things. Yet he does it anyway. Why? Why does a man with this alleged skill set, this alleged acumen, this alleged leader of men, floor general, coach on the floor, why does he constantly feel the need to be dirty? Why? No one to this day, I've been railing on this dude for over a decade, and no one has ever given me a, a logical reason of why a player with this skill set continuously needs to be dirty. Let me know in the comments on YouTube if you think you have a reason of why the point fraud has to play this way to be at the level that he's alleged to be at. A level that the baller formerly known as Boogie DeMarcus Cousins disputes that he should be at. And I agree with him. Matter of fact, let's just go ahead and get into what, what Boogie said here. Because if you're following along on YouTube, you're going to get the, uh, 
the shared screen experience. Let's go ahead and bring this up. Boogie was on the pod, and uh, he got a hot takeoff, although it's not that hot of a take to me. He wanted to bring up the top five point guard position uh, question. And he staked this claim as to why he believes that the point fraud is not, is not a top five point guard. My question to you guys is, can we get a, a top five all-time PGs list? Do you feel like somebody shouldn't be on that list? It's Chris Paul. Every I time I hear a Let's top go. five PG list, Chris Paul is in it, and I'm not really <laughs> understanding why. No, exactly. not the CP. Strictly for I that. mean, the, hold up. DeMarcus, it is, it, it is a knock. It's okay. I'm here for you. I'm here. Let, let's, let's, air, let's call it what it is. It is a knock to the point fraud to not say, to say that he's not a top five point guard. Because as he said, most lists, you see the point fraud is on it. And they always throw up his accolades and throw up his numbers. And he's done this record. He's efficient. He's done this. I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. But he's a fraud though. He's a dirty player. He's, he's nefarious. He's a charlatan. He is all of these things. He circumvented the CBA when he was head of the Players Union. He did all of these things. Ran through Kim K. Look, all these things. And yet we keep propping him up, or y'all, not me. Y'all keep propping him up to be something that he clearly has shown that he doesn't belong. The baller for me known as Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins, continues. Accolades and a performance standpoint, I don't think Chris Paul is top five. Is it Magic, Steph, Z, Mm -hmm. CP3 is not behind? You got to bring up Steve Nash. Mm -hmm. Okay, now wait. Hold up now. (laughs) I don't know if I'm putting Steve Nash that high. I don't know if I'm making him the fourth best point guard of all time. But if we're just trying to make sure we have enough bodies to keep the point fraud out, okay, I'm rolling. Two MVPs. We got to bring up John Stockton. Stockton, okay. Dirty as hell, too. Mm. So you willing to wait, wait, wait. Hold up. He's, he, he brought in Westbrook. Oof. He brought in Russie. All right. Now, here's the problem. I know what the baller for me known as Boogie DeMarcus is doing. He's trying to make sure I'm going to put up dudes with hardware that is undisputable in this argument. I'm going to bring up a point guard that has two MVPs and another point guard who has an MVP and was averaging a triple-double so that that way those accolades trump all the other accolades that the point fraud might have. So I understand the the logic here. It's a very, it's a strong argument. Now, you know, between us, you know what I'm saying? Like between us, we know, we know Steve Nash ain't no damn fourth greatest point guard of all time. And we also know Russie ain't no damn fifth greatest point guard of all time. But for the, again, for the sake of the argument, for the sake of the argument, just to get the point fraud about the paint, we're going to ride with the baller formerly known as Boogie DeMarcus Cousins. I'm above CP3. I mean, he's the MVP. The internet is going to be set ablaze. I think CP3 would have cooked f***ing stock. We're not talking uh, about who's better. All-time assists, all-time assists, all-time steals. Nobody's going to break the record. And we're going back to the top five. True point guards. True. got to be on the list. Rondo. Hey, y'all know, and I'll come off the screen share here. That's pretty much the end of the clip. Y'all know how I feel about Rondo in this podcast. He is the point god. Whether it's G-O-D or G-A-W-D, however way you want to spell it, Ray John Rondo is him. Okay, so the fact that the baller for me known as Boogie DeMarcus Cousins said true point guards. Again, because that's what the point guard position is. Because low-key, the fact that we just throw in stuff in there, eh, I, 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 I could debate that, but that's another pod for another day. But we're just going to let, we're just trying to make sure we have enough dudes to put in front of the point forward to make sure he's boxed out of the top five. So we have... Magic, we have Zeke, we're, we're, we're allowing Steph to be in there, and now you're putting in Stockton, and then for me, you're putting Rondo there. If we're going to allow score scoring point guards that can facilitate in there, then why not someone like Stephon Marbury? Now, again, I know a lot of you are like, Marbury, but look, numbers, we're talking about numbers, right? There was a point in time where Magic, the big O, and Stephon Marbury, Starberry, Coney Allen's finest, all had the same averages. All had the same averages. And this was after eight years. After an eight-year clip, there was only three PGs that had those types of numbers. And it was Magic, Big O, Starberry. So if we're going to have that conversation and we're just allowing Steph to be in there when we know he's not truly a point guard, plays the point guard position. But again, when we put true point guard in there, we know that's different. We know Wardell is not in that conversation. If we're talking about true, now you're talking about magic. Now you're talking about Stockton. 
Now you're talking about Zeke. Now you're talking about Rondo. And now you're talking about someone like Starberry. And there's more. But we know who we're not talking about is this point fraud. And that's what the baller formerly known as Boogie is not here to do. He's here to air him out. And it's because he's a player that's not afraid to talk about this. Because, again, I'm telling you, as someone that used to work on NBA radio, there was a lot of conversations off air about how certain players really moved. And a lot of stuff that I thought watching games at the crib and knowing the few little people that I knew, a lot of that stuff was confirmed once I started working deeper and deeper into the industry. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, this, this dude really is that. Okay, cool, got it. I'm airing him out every chance I get because I got way more sources to co-sign the stuff that I was just picking up from afar. I mean, this man was kicking people and punching people in the nuts in college. And he has done similar tactics throughout his career. It's not like he had this young spurt of just being dirty and then he matured. This man has continuously found a way to be dirty. The year after the bubble. The year, so yeah, the year leading into them going to the finals. Every playoff series leading into the finals and even in the finals, he did one thing minimum that was dirty. That was blatantly dirty. He did that. And no one talks about it. Point for our State Farm, Cliff Paul, HBCUs, honorary degrees left and right. It's, it just all happens. Documentaries on Netflix. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't change anything. I've never seen a person be this blatantly dirty and nefarious at their job and pro oh no, there's a few in the government I could all right, whatever. But you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Chris Paul has been allowed grace the type of grace that usually is not allowed to not only an athlete, but an athlete that looks like him. And his latest move with Alvarado and throwing bows, and I'll share the screen here again. We'll get off the baller foaming on his boogie. Go here to the clip. I will mute this because it's a TV clip. Um, this elbow that he throws, boom, right there. Elbow, upper elbow, throws the elbow not just to the chest. This is an elbow to the sternum and to the neck, to the chin. Like, and Alvarado points at the ref like, yo, look at your mans. Look at your mans. You see him, right? Like, and that, that's the thing. With Alvarado pointing like that has been that, that picture of him pointing at the ref, like, look at your mans, has been essentially me for the entirety of me doing this podcast. Look at your mans. Here's yet another example. This isn't exhibit A. This isn't even exhibit Z. We're past that. We're past that at this point. There's too many examples that you could go on. You could go on. You go on YouTube and look up. There's dirty compilations of the point fraud. They're more than 10 minutes long. More than 10 minutes long. He's throwing bows. And I'm glad that the that the um, NOLA TV network pulled this clip out because there was a lot of uh, trying to figure out, well, what really made that beef pop off? Because a lot of people thought it was the Zion dunk. And while some of it might have been the Zion dunk, that certainly got the most attention. This was what was really popping off with that after that play. They're going crazy. They're going wild. And the point fraud throws a bow at Jose Alvarado because that's the guy that really gets him going. That's the guy that has exposed him. That's the guy that has made him lose his cool. That's the guy that has done the same type of dirty tactics that he would do. So, again, it's like seeing yourself. I'm telling you, it's like holding up a mirror. This is who you are. You are Jose Alvarado. You are nothing but a better Jose Alvarado. That's who the point fraud is. Same dirty tactics, same trying to find a way to cut corners, but Alvarado had to do that. It's the only way he could get to the league. When the last time you, who, who knows where Alvarado went to college? Was he ranked coming out of high school? Was he top 100? Does, did, was anyone ever made aware of a Jose Alvarado before he popped up on the scene exposing the point fraud and doing the thing of sneaking up behind people after inbounds in full court. Did anyone even know who he was? That's how he got to the league, doing things like that. Yet we had the point fraud who was doing those types of things and they're putting him on top five of all time list. Make it make sense. Hey, uh, 
the Nets are a four seed. <laughs> all of that talk, all of that talk, all the controversy, get Nash up out of here, Jacques Vaughn in, flirted with Ime Udoka, tricked it off, all right? Jacques, is your job. KD wants out, then he decides, I don't want out. Kyrie, we already know what happened there, don't need to rehash that. And then the enigma that has been, can he play, will he play, will he shoot? Kung Fu Kyrie's telling him to shoot, he won't shoot. All of this stuff led to people laughing up and down about the Nets. This is going to be a bad team. They're going to have to trade pieces at the deadline. They're going to have to cut salary. Joe, Joe Sy, the owner, was trying to talk tough. He's getting exposed. Now, all of a sudden, Nets are 18 and 12. 18 and 12. Four seed in the East. And looking like the team that we thought they would be. And they have a better record. Than Philly. <laughs> Hi, Philly. Oh, I know. Beer's been hurt. Yeah, okay. Sure. But again, you, you got the better player, right? All right. Okay. He, he lost 100 pounds. Has that been confirmed? Did we ever find out if his BMI has really lowered that? All right. Well, whatever. So the Nets are legit. Hard stop. That's it. That's, that, that, that's the take. Like, when you put Kevin Durant... Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons on the floor, this is what you get. When Ben Simmons plays and plays at the level that he's accustomed to and comfortable at, and Kyrie is Kyrie and KD is KD, this is what you get. You get to say it doesn't matter who the supporting cast is. It kind of doesn't really matter. When that's your big three, and this is why we this is what we thought we were going to get when they made that trade last year. Is oh my God, if Ben can just come and just play like Ben always does. Ben hasn't played any better. Ben hasn't looked like, oh, he's taking a step. Ben's just playing like he did. He's playing like he looked like he, how he was in Philly. I haven't seen anything that has made me think, oh, he's changed his game. He's evolved. No, but when Ben plays basketball and he's engaged, this is what you're going to get. And, you know, I'll pull up the numbers here. Let me see. Let me see. What, 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 what's Ben's numbers here? Benjamin... David Simmons. Okay. He's engaged. Hitting the glass, getting you some dimes. Look, he, he's a guy where, let's get to the game log. <sighs> I love I, I love basketball reference. They just have everything laid out right there for you. Okay. So. Uh, yep, the Nets have won five in a row. He's giving you 10 and 8, 10, 8, and 5. He's giving you 2, 11, 2, 12, and 8, three steals. Like, he is a stat stuffer. Now, he had a streak before that because then he was inactive for, for a few games. There was a streak there where he went 15 and 13, 15, 13, and 7, 12, 8, and 5, 11, 11, and 7. 14 and 6, 20 and 6. And then he started going back into late Philly Ben, where he was 2 and 12, 2, 8 and 12, 6, 6 and 7. And then the last couple of games, he's getting a little bit better 10, 8 and 5, and 10, 5 and 5. But the, the real thing is shot attempts, seven shot attempts, nine shot attempts, eight shot attempts, nine, seven, 13. Seven, like he's running down and getting shots. Whereas in early in the season, three shots, five shots, seven was his max. Now he's getting up to 13, nine, eight, nine, seven. So there, the whole thing of the narrative of Ben doesn't want to shoot, uh, that, that, that to me is null and void anymore. Whatever the bugaboo was, whether it was just being in Philly, whether it was just having a pressure of what was expected of him, expecting him to improve when this is always who he's been at every level. And I've talked about that a lot here. Every level Ben has been this guy. Yet when he got to the league, when he got to Philly and the pressure of the process and all the other nonsense, it was bestowed upon him to be more, to be better. When I'm like, this dude's never shown he's going to be better. He's been, he's been fresh out the oven since before LSU. The way he was hooping in high school 
That's what he was at his, he peaked in high school. He's been riding that peak ever since. He's a finished basketball player. He is a finished product. This is who he is. But that guy, defensively, what he can do with the pill, how he can be effective with a guy of his size that can move and run the floor, that is an asset in high-level basketball. And you put that with Slim Reaper, you put that with Kung Fu Kyrie, and yes, you have a team that's good enough to be a four-seed in the Eastern Conference. And you have a team that, if you're Milwaukee, if you're Boston, you can't take them lightly. Are the Lakers coming? It looked like they were when Braun was hurt. Now Braun is back and... <sighs> I don't know, man. Somebody going to say something? Somebody going to say something? I keep getting told LeBron is still him. And, you know, I had a clip that I put up on IG again at the CMD podcast, all one word at the CMD podcast on the Zuckerberg app. And, you know, people are arguing with me in the comments telling me LeBron is still the guy and it should still be LeBron and AD's got to step up and take the mantle. The Lakers looked their best this year when LeBron was out. And AD was him. If that's not a sign that LeBron needs to hand the keys over to Anthony Davis, then I don't know what else you need to see. And even when LeBron came back, you could track the shots. If AD took more shots, they usually won. When LeBron took more shots, they usually lost. Like it was a thing where you, it's a quantifiable metric that you could go out there and just track yourself. And Yes, there's been times where LeBron has taken more shots with Dan AD and they won. But the thing is, it's also been vice versa. So we know what LeBron is. LeBron is clearly a finished product. He is a diminishing product, if anything. Anthony Davis, I can't say he's a finished product. Because as great as he was in NOLA, as great as he's looked at times as a Laker, he still really hasn't been handed the keys. Only by default when LeBron decides to sit games out. Has AD been handed the keys? And when AD's been handed the keys, let's see if we get the screen share up here. When LeBron's been, when, when Anthony Davis has been handed the keys, it's been different. Anthony Davis, again, love basketball reference. Um, now, the Lakers blew out the Nuggets last night, and that had a lot to do with your man's Jokic, but we, we, we can't talk about that, right? Uh, they exposed him. They put him on pick and rolls. They had him. To, they had him. They went small and had him defending guards, and it was Swiss cheese. But I know, I know. Splits. Get Anthony Davis splits up here, or do I need the lineup one? I think I need the lineup one. Yeah, let's get to the lineup one. When you look at Anthony Davis <clears throat> and the lineups, he plays better with the role players. Big shock. You figure a guy with his ability playing with LeBron and even Westbrook, you would think it would be amazing the numbers that he would put up with those two. No, it has not worked that way. Anthony Davis, and if you're here on YouTube, you're able to see this. Um, when you pair regular season two-man combinations, and this is net rating, so per 100 possessions, right? The best two-man combination with Anthony Davis is Austin Reeves. Right. Austin Reeves. After that, it's not even LeBron. It is your man's, who's this, Troy Brown? Yeah, Troy Brown Jr. So again, Anthony Davis has a better two-man combination game with Austin Reeves and Troy Brown Jr. than LeBron James. Right? And if we want to get into overall lineups, the best lineup that Anthony Davis is a part of, let's go ahead and get to that. Sort that. It is with Patrick Beverly, Trey Brown Jr., Austin Reeves, and Lonnie Walker. So basically four guards in AD. That's the best net rating that they have in terms of points. Now LeBron's in the second one. The second highest one with Anthony Davis, but you take out Beverly and you put it in Russie and you take out Lonnie Walker. Yeah, and you put in Braun. So you take out Lonnie Walker, you put in Braun, and you take out Pat Bev and you put in Russie. So there is quantifiable evidence here that LeBron and Anthony Davis have not worked well together. 
even the number three lineup, it's not with LeBron. It's with AD, Pat Bev, Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, and Russi. Not even the fourth best lineup. It is Pat Bev, AD. Oh, now we have LeBron back. So two of the three lineups where Anthony Davis has performed the best in, net rating-wise, don't include LeBron. They include a lot of the role players, a lot of the wing players. I don't think that's a coincidence. I really don't think that, that that's a coincidence. Even if you want to go uh, the three, the big three, right? The big three. Let's see. Where is, okay. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook. When those three are on the floor together as a combination, they're only plus 3.6 per 100, per 100 possessions. So net rating of points is plus 3.6. The highest is AD, Braun, and Austin Reeves. AD, Austin Reeves, and Lonnie Walker. Pat Bev, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. But, but, but I know. I know. Street close. Street close. Street close. You know. It's, it's, Sam doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just trying to hate on LeBron. Right. Because it's not, it's not like I'm watching all the Laker games. I'm, I'm definitely not doing that. Right. Anyway. As we cruise here to the finish of this podcast, of this episode of the DCMD podcast, what else do we need to look at? Are you impressed by what Giannis was able to do in the Bucs as a whole with no Chris Middleton? Not a lot of teams could be at the top or near the top of their conference with their second or arguably their second best player not sniffing the floor. Not sniffing the court at all. Middleton's just getting back. He looks rusty. It's going to take him some time to work himself back into shape. And the Bucs are sitting right there at the two seed. Right, here's another question. Chris Middleton's a free agent. After what you've seen as the Bucks with no Chris Middleton, he's still being able to carve out a two seed in the East. Uh, are you exactly maxing out Chris Middleton? Just a question. Just asking. I mean, we're a two seed without you, bro. I'm just saying, if, if you want to run to LA, you know, and go cash out, okay. Okay. We could go find another three and D guy. Pause. Interesting. Let's see. Utah has come back down to earth. Sacramento's still hanging in. Light the beam. If, if you unhip, get hip. Light the beam in Sacramento. I mean, they're only half a game behind the point fraud in the Phoenix Suns. So, and the Nuggets. Let's talk about the Nuggets real quick before I get out of here. Because I know, talking about the Celtics, look, it's, it's, it's the Tatum and Brown show. Tatum's taking another step. If you don't think he's top five, you're kind of being silly. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Nigerian freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the league right now. He's the best player in the league. I, I think he is that unstoppable. He is that dominant. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think he's him now. I, I can say it. Giannis, the Nigerian freak, Antetokounmpo, he's him. But those nuggets. A lot was made about the Aaron Gordon trade, and I was laughing at people when people were really thinking that trade was a huge trade for the Nuggets. Like, oh, my God, they got Aaron Gordon now? Like, wait, have y'all been watching Aaron Gordon? Like, you know you know why Orlando was so willing to give him up, right? Like, you see the young talent that Orlando has procured since they got rid of Aaron Gordon, right? Like, yeah, there's a reason why they were willing to get rid of Aaron Gordon because Aaron Gordon is, you know, he's a – He's a great player on a bad team, but he's a mid player on a great team. That's the Aaron Gordon conundrum is he's good when the team sucks. He could put up, he could run the numbers up. He could fill the stats. When you put him on a good team, he shrinks. It really just comes down to it because he was leaned upon. He was thought to be a third option or fourth option when you factor in MPJ. But there was a whole lot of time where, you know, Jamal Murray was out. MPJ was out and Jokic was out here looking for help. And Aaron Gordon was not the guy he was looking to, to get that help. So Aaron Gordon has turned himself into just being a role player, a guy that doesn't make role player money. Um, yeah. He's just not that guy. So this nuggets thing, I don't know what's to be expected there. Like Jokic is, is Jokic is fine. Right. But he's limited. He can be exposed defensively. 
he could be exposed when he has to switch on to guards because he's a slow big. Even though he lost weight and he got a little bit lighter and he's able to run a little bit better last year, he still can't guard. He can't guard bigs his size, although he's made strides defensively. He's still not someone I would consider to be you know, a defensive stalwart. But he damn sure can't guard out on the perimeter. And it's it Swiss cheese for him. The Lakers went small by design last night and exposed him possession after possession after possession, especially late in the third quarter. If you go back and watch that game, late in the third quarter, they really just picked him apart. They ISOed him out. He was bad at communicating when to switch, when not to switch. It was, it was really not a good night for the Joker uh, and Staples. So I don't know what you're supposed to get from this Denver Nuggets team. Jamal Murray has been okay. He clearly is still getting the rust off. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get Jam- uh, Bubble Jamal Murray ever again. Bubble Jamal Murray, combine that with, you know, Bubble Donovan Mitchell, Bubble uh, Anthony Davis, and um, who, who, who's my man that was, uh, that was killing on the Pacers? Um, Bubble TJ Warren. I don't know if you're ever going to get that those types of performances ever again. I just don't know if any of those guys are ever going to be able to perform uh, or live up to the performance that they had in the bubble. and But Jamal Murray is, is one of those. He's a guy that you can't take lightly, and it, you would think he'll get his win post-All-Star break. I mean, they're getting good minutes from DeAndre Jordan, who was thought to be done. Knicks tape told us he was done. He was washed. Even the Nets told us he was washed. But he's found a home. Backing up Joker. Uh, but yeah, this roster is bad. Like, here's the problem. Obviously, no MPJ hurts. He's supposed to be their third option since Aaron Gordon refuses to be that. When you're looking at, and I'll pull up the screen share here just for a little bit as we wrap up. Looking at these standings here, right? Let's see. Can I get, can I get the zoom in? Can I get the zoom in to work? There we go. All right. Let's ISO the West. So we have Memphis and, and the Pelicans as a top two. Then we have the Nuggets at three. Suns at four, Kings at five, Blazers at six, Jazz still hanging on, still hanging on at seven. Then we have the Clippers, and the Clippers got back Boardman. Boardman is back, and then he missed a couple of games right away. (laughs) He came back for a few games, and then all of a sudden, back to load managing. Your man's Boardman, but okay. And then we have Luka, and then it's still at nine. I, I, I put a clip out last week on YouTube, and people were, you know, in their feelings, um, about that. They were trying to like not like, they were hating on the video. And it was like, oh, show me a reason why. And, and I did look it up, and I did find that uh, Best Reference does have usage rate. Lucas has led the league twice in usage rate. The beard at his peak, the year before he won MVP, which is probably the year he should have won MVP, but, you know, Rusty triple-double, uh, his usage rate was 40. 40.5% was his usage rate. Luca has come into the high 30s back-to-back years. So, again, Slovenian Harden. But anyway. And then you have the Timberwolves with the, the, the whole Rudy Gobert experiment, which has failed, which we all knew was going to happen. My thing is, you see these dubs, you see these Lakers. Can they make a run? We, we, we all expect Utah to fall back to earth, but are they? We're all expecting the Kings to fall back to earth, but are they? Are those two going to take the place of the Dubs? And can the Dubs realistically not make the playoffs? What's wrong with the Dubs? Are they load managing? Steve Kerr is throwing out the youngins to a certain degree. He's definitely throwing out Kaminga. He has faith in Kaminga. And he's getting faith in Moody. We know what happened to Weissman. He went down to the G League. There were some some reports about him not playing well in the G League, but you know, he you know, well, we'll I think that will write itself, right? He's too talented not to pan out. I mean, they shouldn't have drafted him in anyway. He should have been. I think they should have took Lamelo because of the fact that Clay got hurt on draft night. Like the reports, that is still it was one, it was one of those nights where I can't believe that it was sitting right there in front of them. Clay falls down and goes boom yet again. And you have LaMelo sitting right there and you still go for the big man. I Again, this is a franchise that prides itself on. They revolutionized basketball. They had a, a guard right there who could continue the evolution of Splash 
Yet they win with the big. Make it make sense. Anyway, so out of this West, if we're, if we're going to assume the Kings and the Jazz fall back to earth, is it a guarantee that it's going to be the Dubs, the Lakers, or the Timberwolves to slide up? Right now, the playing is looking really wild. T-Wolves, Warriors in the play-in. Clippers, Mavs in the play-in. With Utah hovering right there. The Kings, all right, you know what? Next pod, we're going to talk about the Kings, like like legitimately. I've been watching them. I've been keeping track of things, but I've been waiting for them to kind of hit that bump and fall back to earth. But De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, and Harrison Barnes, of all people, are refusing. So, Kings, I will give you your props. We will light the beam on the next pod. But this West is, look, I told y'all the West is wide open. You know, the East is top heavy. We know who's good in the East, right? We know who's legit in the East. You have four teams, maybe five, that you could say can come out the East. Like, I don't think Philly can come out the East, but you can make a case. I don't think Cleveland can come out the East, but you can make a case. The Nets can come out the East. The Kings, uh, the, the Bucks can damn sure come out the East, and the Celtics for sure can come out the East. So there's five teams you can make a case for. Shout out to the Knicks for actually winning some games in a row. Knicks team, congrats. You're only a six seed after all of that. Winning all them games in a row, you're only a six seed. Um, so, but this West, the Suns were the one seed a couple of weeks ago. Now they're down to four. The Jazz were a one seed or a two seed. Now they're down to seven. There's not a lot of games in the loss column difference between a lot of these teams. So this West is going to fluctuate because there's a lot of parity. No team in the West is going to run away and hide. As good as Memphis has looked, they don't even have De- Desmond Bain is not even back yet. Um, Jaws been in and out of lineup. Triple J is just getting his footing. They could, they have the potential to run away and hide. I just don't think they're, they're ready to do that. Like you have to be really on one to run away and hide. Your team, your acumen, all things have to be cooking to be that good to run away and hide from an entire conference. I don't think the Grizzlies are there yet. Lakers might be worth a flyer if you have a couple of bucks on a, on a, on a sports book. And I'll be talking about that more to come here on the pod. But to make the playoffs, that might be worth a bet. And to win a championship knowing that they're most likely going to make a move at the deadline might be worth it to get that value in now. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, Subscribe to the YouTube. Still pushing that heavy. That is going to be the focus. Uh, The pod ain't going nowhere, but I just want to add a visual component to the pod and do some other content. If you have some time, I asked ChatGPT, which is artificial intelligence, to decode one of sports' biggest debates and one of this pod's biggest debates, LeBron or Jordan. Who do you got? So I got some interesting feedback from the AI. The AI gave me five reasons why LeBron is a GOAT and five reasons why Jordan is the GOAT. I think if, if you take the time, the link for the video will be in the podcast description. It's very interesting how artificial intelligence scoured the internet to get information on both of those guys. And uh, one guy got way more definitive top five reasons than the other. With the internet at its disposal, I'll let you figure that out. But um, appreciate y'all as always. Be back with, with another pod probably early next week as we ramp this up here, as we finish out the year strong and head into 2023 even stronger. So for the Sandy Podcast... I'm Santos Bay Jr. I'm out.